This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Let's rock. Buddy, welcome. It is noon oh, oh, 02 on Tuesday, and we welcome you all, anyone tuning in to watch and listen um, and uh, hear about some interesting things today, which um, we're going to wait a minute because I want to introduce my guest. I'm Gina, by the way. I'm the cheese whiz at Venissimo, and today I have Robbie G, otherwise known as Professor McCheese. That's correct. Right, with our um, Academy of Cheese group. And Rob, today we're going to talk about an event that you have coming up, yes. right? And that is, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's actually several events, and it's with one of our favorite partners called Green Flash Brewing. Woohoo! Green Flash! Green Flash, and we have a special guest that's going to join us uh, pretty soon here. Ooh, we, so we do guest. lots and lots of stuff with with Green Flash. We've got a, a number of uh, events planned for the rest of the year with them. The next one's August 7th, mm-hmm. and it's part of a series that we do called Behind the Craft. Okay. And it's kind of a progressive – I wouldn't even say Beer and Cheese 101 because it's a little bit more advanced than that. But we start with ingredients and history, and then we end up with uh, aging and sort of – so we start with the first part of the process, and we end with the last part of the process. So that's why I say it's progressive. Okay. So the, the so this is the first one. This is the first part of the process. The first in the in the series is going to be August seventh okay. mm-hmm. at their Mira Mesa location, and that's the one where we're going to really be focusing on ingredients, and we're going to talk about the the, the beginning of the, the process of cheese and beer okay. making, um, and then we're in history and things mm-hmm. like that. And then, like I said, we're going to progressively get more in depth, and then we're going to end. Um, with aging and and, and um, the final steps of the process. Yeah, and they'll go hand in hand. So they're going to do it for the beer side of things and for the cheese side of things. Absolutely. Yes? So um, our guest, who's going to be here shortly, mm-hmm. is going to represent the beer side of things. And, of okay. course, I'll talk about cheese. Cheese. Do you know a little bit about cheese? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. We, you know, it's funny when our when, when Dave gets here. We um, <laughs> when we when When we do events together. Yeah. You know, I'm used to talking for two hours. He's used to talking for two hours. And so we're kind of, you know. Fighting for the microphone. <laughs> well, we both have so much to say. So um, it's funny when, you know, people say, oh, are you going to be able to, you know, fill that amount of time? Yeah. Like, I'm going to have trouble not. Right. Cutting over, it back. Oh, yeah. Not overdoing it. Sure, sure. <laughs> so funny. Oh, that's really good. And now have you done this with Green Flash before? We have, right? Yeah, we've done. Mm-hmm. We've been working with them for probably six or seven years. I'm yeah. trying to think back to the first thing that we did together. But they've been such a, a big support over the years. Um, we've done a lot of things at their Mira Mesa location. And then we started doing a lot of events at their Cellar 3 location, mm-hmm. which is where they do all the barrel aging. Um, but we've also done the Del Mar Fair for probably the last five years together. Yeah. They do the International Beer Festival there. That's and awesome. so Dave and I always take the stage and, and talk uh, pairing and He's right. a huge cheese guy. He yeah. loves his cheese. That's awesome. And I see we brought one of his favorites. Oh, yeah, because I'm anxious to see if these glasses will be filled shortly. <laughs> anyone? Anyone? <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we work a, t- a ton together, and they're just yeah. so great to work with because um, there's, there's so many similarities. And a lot of the guys who are into craft beer are also really into mm-hmm. to good cheeses and just good food yeah, in general. that artisanal craft, mm-hmm. craft they stuff. They appreciate it. They appreciate uh, the craft. Yeah, which is really good. And yeah, not craft I, with a K. Not craft with a K. Yeah. Craft with a C. <laughs> Definitely with a C. <laughs> well, I was pulling up, Rob, because, okay, this was a couple facts that I learned about beer. Okay? We know that a cheese lover is known as a turophile. Uh-huh. Apparently, a beer lover or enthusiast, you are a cerevisophile. 
Cerevisa. It almost looks like cerveza. I was going to say cerevisa. It would obviously come from the same Latin mm, as cerveza. Could be, and probably Cicerone, which Dave is a master yes. He's going to. We're going to talk about that as as soon as this um, certified Cicerone <laughs> mm-hmm. appears. We will learn about that word. But yeah, so cerevisa. Uh, I can't even say it. Cerevisa feel. I did not. I did <laughs> not know that. I just learned that today. Right. Thank so you. we put a turophile with a cerevisa file, <laughs> and that's yummy stuff. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. This is another one. Beer is legally defined as a staple food in Bavaria. Okay. That's pretty good, right? That makes sense. The Germans know how to do it when yep. they classify something so good as a staple food. And I like how in Europe, food, you know, wine and beer are considered food. Yeah, exactly. Whereas here, it's like a, it's a something to <laughs> on the side, wash it all down with. Yeah, yeah. or just a means to get, you know, a little tipsy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where there, it's like it's meant to be paired with your meal, yeah. and it's considered food, and food. every everything is moderate. Well. You know, for the most part. <laughs> Maybe yeah, not in Germany during exactly. Oktoberfest. Maybe not, but <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> or you would think it would be like water. Like it's just um, a sure. constant drip, mm-hmm. you know, all day, which yeah. is kind of good. I, I feel that way about cheese. Yeah. You know, that that's what I do. I just kind of graze yeah. all day. Especially. Kind of like the cows do and the sheep right. do yeah. and the goats do. Yeah. The, the pun was intended there. <laughs> <Ta-dum>, <laughs> okay. Um, coming in behind tea, beer is the second most popular beverage in the world. I believe that. So too. that's kind of interesting too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it dates back. This is what I saw. Where was it? Um, wait, wait, wait. So that was the oldest recipe written in the world was for beer. Huh. So not for any you know type of dish or bread or anything like that, but the recipe was for beer. I wonder. I wonder if David knew the the dates. Yeah, I'm not sure on that because I know cheese goes back. I mean the 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 first you know recorded um, uh, hit like history of cheese mm-hmm. goes back to like 5500 or 6000 BC. That's crazy, but it obviously right? goes back farther than that. Yeah. Um, that's just the first, like, you know, cave paintings. Exactly. Or, the hieroglyphics about it. Or they, or... <laughs> they found, like, um, you know, terracotta pots with, mm-hmm. with uh, you know, lactose residue, you know, in like in the yeah. pots after they tested them back in Poland, of all places. Right. That's crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, here it said that beer bottles weren't invented until 1850. So that wasn't that long ago. I mean – and in so, the grand scheme of thousands of years. So they were just in barrels? Barrel, whatever they could carry it in. That's uh-huh. what the beer would be put in. Maybe terracotta pots. Who knows? Yeah. Um, of course, barrels. But yeah, 1850. So that's not that that's long not ago long that ago there were beer bottles. So that was an interesting factoid. Um, read that about 7 million glasses of Guinness are sold every day. Not just St. Patrick's Day. Not just St. Patrick's <laughs> I bet you that goes up, what, tenfold on St. Patrick's Day? Oh, at least. But, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. But Seven million, just have one beer. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned eight, the 1850s and mm-hmm. for, for when um, you said bottling was mm-hmm. – that's, that's the same decade that the crates for brie in Camembert were oh. invented. And Something coincidental. I don't know, but you know, it makes me think of you know the effect of something like that on on just the the spread of a yeah. For the, in this case, cheese, like in how right. it probably spread beer and certain recipes of beer and certain styles of beer um, mm-hmm. because it can now be transported and um, kind of preserved better. Preserved right? better, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like when when you make something like that, it really is it's it's really important because now Camembert leaves Normandy, now Brie leaves. Uh, brie exactly. and goes out and, and Guinness can, leaves Ireland. <laughs> yeah. And now they start making imitators in other parts mm-hmm. of the world and Europe and so it's interesting. Yeah. And and huh. one of the things I I love and you know this about yeah. what we do is the history and the, all the effects. It's so much more yeah. than just enjoying a glass of beer and a piece of cheese. But the 
the talking about it and the in the um the research, the yes. history, the stories, and the debates, right? The debates, what's it's good and so bad. Much fun. And, yeah, and it, it can never end, right? Because, it is I mean, never there's ending. no, there's no right answer. Right. There's no wrong answer, but it's best to um, experiment often, <laughs> right? <laughs> well yeah. said. And put them all together mm-hmm. often. That's really good. <laughs> um, first brewery in America, 1642 in Hoboken, Not, New Jersey. Do you remember, know what they're called? Mm, I don't know. Mm. I wonder who it is. Maybe Dave knows. But, um, yeah, 1642. So I have a confession to make. Before I was Cheese Whiz, mm-hmm. I worked at Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, mm-hmm. um, with Pete Coors um, and that whole family. An interesting, you know, story, mm-hmm. you know, immigrants coming over yeah, and, really? and making that beer. But that beer was really um, special back then. You're talking about the transportation and, and sending it out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you remember, you lived in California forever, right? Mm-hmm. There was a big mystique about Coors beer because – you were, it wasn't transported. It wasn't delivered and um, sold in all parts of the country. So right. it was almost like it was a contraband. People yeah. were thrilled to come yeah. and get to Colorado and get their cases of Coors beer. They would sneak it across state lines. Was it only in Colorado that they sold it? A- originally, it was. Time? And then there you know, certain few states mm-hmm. you know, before they really distributed it. But there was a bit, definitely a mystique about the beer. Um, was it just marketing? Beer. Did they do it on purpose? Well, part of it was Coors was really good at um, yeah. getting into the movies and uh-huh. stuff. That was like the cool beer. I you mean like that. having a guy drink a Coors oh, on yes. the film? Like Smokey the and the Bandit. Camera. I remember. Mm-hmm. Was he Smokey or was he the Bandit? <laughs> Whatever, which one he was. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> I think Bandit was his. Burt Reynolds was the bandit. Was right? he the yeah. bandit? Okay, the bandit with his bottle, you know, his um, yeah. banquet, Coors Banquet beer. I can so just cool. clearly see this. Mm-hmm. So they did a great job of movie placement and it built this whole mystique yeah. about beer. Um, and, you know, those are these are the big boys. We're talking about the Coors, you know, the Anheuser Busch's, whatever. And yeah. well, of course, now it's all the craft beers, but there's mystique around all of those. Well, it was as great because well. that got me into drinking when I was like 12 years old. That's it was a perfect. A, yeah. <laughs> that's a good It's not a good thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, but interesting, that's right? it, super interesting. I, I remember yeah. when we were in Wisconsin one time, of course, on a cheese trip. There were certain beers that they had there mm-hmm. that didn't leave the state. I don't know if you, you remember yeah. this. And I, um, I can't remember. What, it was called like something cow or um, oh yeah, milking cow or but very exclusive and yeah. elusive. And I remember people were like, "Well, when you're in, uh, I love that." I, people were like, "Well, when you're in uh, Wisconsin, can you pick me up a six pack?" And, yeah. And um, so, I mean, I didn't really know anything about this beer, but uh, right. apparently it was – and I and I just – I can't help but think it's all marketing. Well, it's got to be a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because um, that's what separates some of the big-name wines from mm-hmm. something else is, is the marketing mystique Absolutely, around yeah. big-name beers. Um, Pliny the Elder, I think that's a good one for that's California. That's a perfect example. Oh, my gosh. People in Northern California, you know, that maybe are lucky enough to live yeah. um, with – nearby Santa Rosa to get it, yeah. you know, that's great. But I know, you know, we have that shop in bottle craft yeah, yeah. and people, they'll have signs on the door. We have no Pliny the Elder. And, you know, kind yeah. of interesting to the mystique. And speaking of mystique, welcome our guest today from Green Flash, Mr. Dave Adams. Round Hello. of applause. Man, the myth. The man and the myth. He's real. Dave, how are you? Hi, Thanks very for coming well. in today. What's up, Thank yeah. you very much for having me. Good to see you yes, guys. You too, you too. We're talking beer, but we I mean, we need you here to talk beer. Yeah. We're, I we're, can help. We're yeah. talking little facts. Well, this is what we're gonna start with is um you are known as a certified Cicerone. That's correct. And I'd like to know more about that title and what is that and and how do you become this? Uh so the certified Cicerone certification pro well, it's a certification program mm-hmm. called the Cicerone Certification Program. And it's very similar to the Sommelier program uh, okay. for wine. It's it's basically the equivalent of that for beer. Yeah. Um so the Cicerone program has 
several different levels, has four different levels to it. They have certified beer server, uh, certified Cicerone. Now they added advanced Cicerone, which is in the middle between, it used to be three, master Cicerone okay. was the top one. And yeah. there's only a handful of those around the world. Wow. Um, so yeah, when I first started, uh, the program was maybe seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Okay. And I think I was one of the first hundred or so to be a certified Cicerone. Mm -hmm. And now there's... Uh, there must be close to 2,000 or more. Wow. Um, so it's really cool yeah. to see it To see, see it, it grow. Expand. And this is worldwide we're talking, or is this an American thing? No, this is worldwide. This is worldwide. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, that's crazy. So I know in, this, in the wine world, you know, they're, they're identifying a grape from a region from a year. Right. The same thing? Yeah, it's, uh, it's totally mm -hmm. different, though, because in beer, we're sourcing ingredients from a lot of the same places. So we don't have – I always like to say that we don't really have the excuse of saying that the – vintage was poor, the rain was bad yeah. that year, because nobody cares, right? Like if you go into a grocery store to go pick sure. up West Coast IPA mm -hmm. and it doesn't taste good, no one's going to say, oh, well, the hop crop wasn't that, <laughs> that great good. this year, right? No <laughs> right, one says right, that, right. even though it's yeah. a real thing. I mean, we're getting mm -hmm. all yeah. these hops and malts and you know Tastes yeast different. and yeah, they, they all mm -hmm. taste. I mean, you can get hops from uh, from uh, at the same farm, let's say we were at the same hop farm and we were picking the same hop, like a cascade okay. off of two different pieces of the land. Mm -hmm. Those can be wildly different. different. So it, it really, really depends. Yeah. Not, not all hops are created equal for sure. Um, you know, some people get the cream of the crop, uh, yeah. crop, no pun intended. And, right. and others, you know, get more mm, of the bottom of the barrel at the, the end of the crop. Uh, harvesting season wow. and but everybody yeah. you know the layperson would think well if it has x hop then it's going to be good because i like that hop or got it you know whatever it may be what may be so will bottles of beer because you've been with green flash a long time yeah. how, how do you get consistency in the beers like a person to expect is it just that percentage that you're saying they like a hoppy thing so they're going to like this well the consistency in the product itself mm -hmm. is the most difficult thing yeah um and to me that's what's always separated making good beer from being well, from being like a home brewer that makes mm -hmm. good beer, because I think making good beer yeah. is not that difficult okay. to do. It's making good beer that's the same over and yes. over and so over and over and over again. Right. Because somebody in San Diego that buys a Green Flash product has to have the same experience mm -hmm. in January that they do in December in New York. Yeah. You know, and that's extremely difficult sure. to achieve. Yeah. Um, with shipping and packaging and you know, different yeah. ingredients and yeah, yeah, yeah. things like that. So very difficult to achieve, but that's the most important yeah. part for us uh, when when selecting ingredients or brewing or things like that. Yeah. Um, like, for example, in San Diego, another challenge, we have an ever-changing water profile in mm -hmm. San Diego because mm. we get our water from that's three different sources. And so we don't know yeah. what those sources are. It's not like the city comes to us and says, okay, for this week, your water is coming yeah. from the Colorado River. Exactly. And also the, the Colorado uh, River water, we're at the bottom of the run. So mm -hmm. we're picking up all the minerals that come along, along with way. it. Yeah. yeah. And so it's very hard and um, lots of minerals that go in, into it. So really the only way to truly um, – 
you know, kind of balance out the water profile would be to reverse osmosis the hell out of it until there's nothing left in it and then add the exact minerals that you want back in. I don't think anyone Um, would realize how important water is to the process. I mean, this is a big ingredient, Extremely important. To start with. And especially now that we have breweries on each coast, it's really manifesting itself into a much more important uh, Mm -hmm. process because now we're having to try to match the water profile in San Diego from our plant in Virginia Beach. But, you know, it's difficult because the water is very soft over there. Yeah. um, Which we really like. But now we're trying to add the similar minerality compound or makeup, if you will, Mm -hmm. back to the water in Virginia to match San Diego. Yeah, to match it. But they will always be slightly different, right? They have to be. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like every single batch is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, has some minute differences. It's pretty much imperceivable. Yeah. uh, And that's the goal. But you you can tell, right? Uh, no, no, I, don't, I, <laughs> I hope it. not. If I can tell, that's, that's not good. That Brood means we need Tuesday to back in, to the drawing in, board. Uh, Virginia Beach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, a master. Uh, <laughs> that's too good, too good. Um, well, I, I, did I see two bottles sitting over yeah, there? Yeah, I brought some we beer. to get into that because I, I brought some cheese. Oh, okay, great. So I think it's time we put this together because I wanted to I like both of these things. Yeah. That's just what I heard. I heard you're a, f- a big fan, which is so awesome. I and am. I'm learning about beer, I have to tell you. Cool. Beyond, you missed it, I worked at Coors for a while. I know that's a, a, a detriment in the craft beer world, but <laughs> that's where I started. But I'm, I'm working my way up okay, um, no problem. to learn the best. So this will be good for me. And this is some of the stuff that you'll be going over at the August 7th class, right? Yeah. Some of the basics on the pairings. And I right. know it's a personal preference and all that kind, but I know sure. that you're going to be able to share just a couple tips because I brought like four distinct categories of cheese and thought maybe you could just give everybody just a quick if you've got a blue this would be great if you've got you know we can we can kind of taste and, and you can share why sounds perfect those pairings might be. i see we brought one of my favorite cheeses that's and, what i was telling her and i brought the beer that goes with this it is too perfect. So. Well, let's start there <laughs> okay, <cool. laughs> might as well start at the top this is really good um to give you an idea of how excited i am about this um cheryl crow everybody knows yeah. sang that song where she's oh, woo! Hey! Sorry. Now that's Party a sound time. and a look. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now that's the way to open a beer. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot I shook the hell out of this on the way down here. <laughs> I love it. A little foam never hurt anyone. This, this beer that fast? this beer that we just opened, by the way, uh, is <laughs> about awesome. about three times the amount of CO two in a regular beer. That's crazy. So it's close to like, like sparkling, right? sparkling wine mm-hmm. standards. So, oh my god. Um, well, I would like that beer. I go back to work. <laughs> and be like, hey, have you been drinking? No. Well, I'm lucky, luckily, I'm no. close to the house. I'll just go, uh, no, go I'll take a, a shower. <laughs> this is good. Um, but cool. this well, is yeah. From based on the whole noon on Tuesday comes from Cheryl yeah. Crow singing. We're drinking a beer at noon on Tuesday, which I think is a fabulous idea. So we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing. So what do we have here? What 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 are you pouring? There? Okay, so this beer is a um, a Belgian style pale ale okay. with a wild yeast in it called Bertanomyces, Bertanomyces. Uh, which is native to the Brussels region of Belgium. Okay, um, so you'll see um, a lot of a, a lot of beers over there that use wild yeast. Uh, and this wild yeast will go in and eat all the sugars in the beer mm-hmm. and create a kind of like funky and earthy and fruity okay. profile, depending on which type of Britannomyces that you use. So this particular one has a little mixture of kind of some uh, really nice citrus and fruit characteristics mm-hmm. going on, but it also has that kind of funky, earthy profile. And then obviously it's outrageously carbonated, uh, <laughs> which provides an awesome... 
kind of canvas for the cheese. So, yeah. you know, cheese is obviously very fatty. Yes. So as you're eating the cheese, it just cuts scrubby right through Scrubby bubbles it. is what yeah, I like. Yeah, scrubby think. bubbles. Scrubby bubbles. Exactly. So, so cheers, prost. Cheers. Chin, chin, salute. Whatever country you're in, it, everybody's got their word, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I like it. So I know exactly which beer or which uh, cheese we want to pair with this one. Yeah. All right. Which one, Robbie G? So it's the the Red Hawk, and if you guys can. Ooh, Red Hawk. You can like, um, you could stab it. And yeah. You want to want to dig in there, Dave? And <laughs> yeah. Don't be shy. I mean, yeah. Don't be shy. Fingers. So I know this is one stabs. of this probably is Dave's number one uh, cheese, and so we talked about. It's a great coincidence. That the earthiness that. and the yeah. and the um, the funkiness of of the beer. So this is a washed rind cheese. In other words, a stinky mm-hmm. cheese. That's what we kind of call the style of cheese. They, this is from Northern California. It's cow's milk. It's a triple cream. Um, so it's it's softer on the palate. It's creamy. Um, and so the scrubby bubbles are yeah. perfect for this. So you have a, a, um, a textural pairing. Mm-hmm. You have a complementary pairing because of the, the, the mushroom and the, and the, um, the funkiness going on. Um, and then another thing is you need something that's going to stand up to the beer. And likewise, you need something that's going to stand up to the cheese. So these are just a perfect match for each Together. other. Together. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. This is super effervescent. Yeah, it super is. Super bubbly in the mouth. Like, no doubt about woo! it. Um, and yeah. yeah, and that's always been one of my favorite mm-hmm. cheeses with it. I mean, most wash ranch cheese, I just seem to have some weird affinity for Red yeah. Hawk. I really mm-hmm. like it a lot. It's so but good. Yeah. it's like that earthy and funky kind of characteristics with it and like rob said with that the creamy texture and then with the bubbles in the beer um i think it has a lot of complementary characteristics that just make it one of the the better beer and cheese pairings so if you were gonna like can you over simplify and classify if we have a stinky washed rind yeah what Um, type of beer like if you were gonna pick one that you might be kind of safe with all the time yeah i like uh sticky wash rind Mm -hmm. or stinky and wash rind stuff I really like using uh, Saisons or Brett mm. beers if you can find them. So like exactly. Orval. Here we have Baroque Belgique uh, from us. Um, anything that has that kind of Brett characteristic in it or Wild Yeast kind of characteristic to it, I think is going to be one of your best options because it's going to provide that that cutting power. Yeah. But then it also has that, uh, you know, Saisons and like especially traditional Saisons, Saison DuPont, things like that are going to have that real earthy, farmy kind yeah. of hay. Mm. Hey, horse blanket characteristics mm-hmm. to it that really work well. Complimentary. With the, yeah, totally. And yeah. just for the audience, so you know what we're talking about when we say washed rind or stinky. Mm-hmm. Other cheeses in that category would include Limburger, Munster. Um, so these are softer cheeses. A lot of them originated in monasteries during the Middle Ages, just like mm-hmm. some of the beers. Um, so there's another type of pairing that we call regional pairings. This, this would fit under like three types of different types of pairings. Um, washed rind cheeses don't always have to be soft, though. The majority of the time they sure. are, but there's a lot of alpine cheeses that are also washed rinds. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have that kind of um, discoloration on the rind. They're a little bit darker, orange, yeah. brownish. Um, so the, the Red Hawk, though, is, that, like I said, a triple cream, <coughs> Northern California. Um, Cowgirl Creamery is a cheesemaker. And um, this is kind of an accident cheese. There, there was like a drip in the in the <laughs> aging cellar and they – like most Whoops. cheeses, yeah. um, <laughs> an accident gone right kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The no happy doubt. accident. Yeah. And a lot of beers were made that way too as well. Yeah, we've had that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oops, <laughs> that's times. really good. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think. Um, Limburger, Munster, Epoise is another one. Yes, I know one Rogers of the stinkiers. 
All right. So this beer again was called, it's for called everyone? Baroque Belgique mm. uh, from Cellar 3. You can find it out at Cellar 3. Should be in some fancy <laughs> liquor stores as well. Okay. Um, but over at Cellar 3 in Poway is our barrel aging facility where we have all of our uh, wine barrels, yeah. all of our bourbon barrels. Um, it's a really fun place to fun visit. Place. So if you're into barrel aging, barrel aged beer, I suppose, or barrel aging beer for that mm-hmm. matter, then please go visit. It's an awesome place to to check yeah, out, to get check some out. education, education and taste, of course. No doubt about good it. Stuff right out. Yeah. And I noticed mm-hmm. the bottle on that is is rather large, almost like a wine bottle, almost yeah, wine bottle esque. Yeah, same size, seven fifty mm-hmm. milliliter, mm-hmm. cork and caged, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. They hold a little bit more volumes of CO two for us as well, so we can have that higher carbonation mm-hmm. on on the beers, and so so do the corks and whatnot. So, yeah. uh, and we just feel like the format lends itself to this the higher end product as sure. well, having the silk screen sure. labels, and you know, it looks really pretty, really really pretty. Yeah. Do you think it might go that style? I've also got a blue. A uh, goat, a fresh kind of chev, and mm. then a sweet gouda, a sheep milk gouda. So it could I, lend itself to either one of those as well. Um, yeah, good question. I think the the Humboldt Fog would be pretty nice with it too, because it has that little bit of uh, kind of tartness mm-hmm. and and that um, you know kind of nutty earthiness to it. I think it would be nice with it, um, and with the gouda. Uh, I think the next beer I brought is going to be, gonna be the awesome, one for that. Awesome with that. Ooh, the awesome. Gouda. Yeah, yeah, it's because it's so sweet and just delicious. Cool. That's awesome. Um, saisons, like I'm hearing more and more or seeing more of that. Is that mm-hmm. just a Belgian style or yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, just well, it means season. Okay. Uh, <laughs> French, not nothing uh, super special, but the style is based around the yeast, basically, okay. as m- most styles are. Um, Maybe not most, but a lot of old world styles are really based off of the yeast. Mm -hmm. And uh, so to be a Saison, you have to use Saison yeast. And the Saison yeast is what provides that kind of earthy, funky kind of characteristic to it. Meaning seasonal yeast? uh, No, not necessarily, but but it's brewed seasonally, Uh generally speaking. Um, And, you know, back in the day when refrigeration uh, wasn't as prominent or wasn't around at all, you could only brew beer at the times when the Mm -hmm. yeast could work, right? Because yeast has operating temperatures. And so if you were making lagers and it was warm during the summer months, you couldn't make a lager because the yeast didn't work. And Mm -hmm. if you stored the beer, it would end up getting hot and beat up and not taste good. good. So, um, you know, kind of why Oktoberfest is around similar kind of idea celebrates the, uh, the, the rebrewing of beer. And, um, anyway, so that kind of stuff was very prominent back when we didn't have, uh, lots of ways to manipulate things. So yeast was, uh, was very important and, and still is to this day. And those styles still revolve around that. Like when we talk about, uh, Rob has mentioned the monasteries, so the Trappist beers that come out of those monasteries, mm-hmm. those and the secular beers for that matter are known for their aroma of banana and bubble gum. And that comes specifically from the yeast strain. So mm. they so create, especially ales specifically, create a lot of what's called esters. So they'll go in and eat these uh, sugars during the fermentation process and they'll um, – the byproducts of that will be CO2, yeah. ethanol, which we all enjoy, and then <laughs> esters. So the esters yeah. in ale yeast are produced at an extremely high rate, and that's where that banana and bubble gum comes from. Wait, so uh, like they don't a, put bubble gum in the beer then? I mean, maybe on accident. <laughs> uh, you never know. Yeah, you never know who's yeah. a, a gum fiend on the brew house. But, right. Uh, yeah, and same with um, like a German style Hefeweizen is another great example ah. of esters being prominent okay. in beer. Like without that. 
um, banana and clove characteristic and a German Weizen mm-hmm. beer, then it's not a German Weizen, right? You have a Einger or Francis Conner Hefeweizen, traditional yeah. German Hefeweizen, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have that, then it's not then it's that. Not. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. So that's where this. that comes from. So if you had a Belgian double that didn't have Belgian yeast in it, then it wouldn't be a Belgian double. Same with yeah. the Hefeweizen, same with uh, lots of beers. Right, to and make then, it as such. And this is what we talk about when we go back and forth. Dave and I have been working together for forever. I can't remember the first time we worked together, it was, but we – like five or six years ago, Something probably. Like that. Yeah, it's been a while. But we go back and forth, and when I hear him talk, I think of similarities in cheese. When I say things about cheese, he thinks yeah. of similarities in beer. And, we, and what, one thing we always go back to is the simple ingredients, you know, three or four <laughs> simple ingredients right. and limitless possibilities. And it all comes from seasonal, um, you know, for seasonal reasons or regional reasons. Yeah. Um, little tweaks that the cheesemaker or the brewer can put on mm-hmm. a recipe. Um, I mean, just aging it for another Day, year, ten years. Yeah. I mean, at, there's at so a certain many temperature, you can do well, certain temperature. it'll tr- yeah. tr- change everything. Totally, from basic ingredients. Well, yeah, and like yeast, yeah. for example, is a single cell organism. So having a yeast, l- let's say you made the same exact beer, and this yeast that you selected, you fermented at a cool temperature, mm-hmm. like a cool for ale operating temperature. Let's say yeah. it's a in the high sixties, like a 66, 67, 68 okay. range. And then you do another beer at 72, 73, 74, something like yeah. that. They're going to be totally different. different. The esters right. that come out of it are, are completely different. That's just crazy. I've, think Pixar needs to do a movie to to animate what you're saying mm-hmm. to show all the different things that could happen. It could happen for cheese too. Let's you know what I mean? That. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna call who's in charge. <laughs> yeah, let's make it. Let's go, let's get somebody on the <laughs> line. Somebody on the yeah, get somebody on the line because I'm yeah, fascinating, right? Just to see it those really differences is. to change your basic ingredients of what yeast, the barley hops, water. Yep. Change it into these magical flavors. Totally. Yeah, and that's and why we you all should come to buy in the craft. Yeah, because the then you'll learn more about that and get to taste all of these good things that's right so red hawk with that hand me over a little red hawk by the way oh, because yeah. i haven't tried it together and i've almost drank the whole thing it's really good um we had a on that factoid do you recall what were we going to ask him when the first um who the first brewer was in the usa in hoboken yeah i, hoboken. I saw that the it said well some factoid that i pulled up the first brewery in the u.s in hoboken do you know who that might have been i don't i'm just curious no. like, who's wondering and I should know this, but who are the 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 who's a brewery in Wisconsin that makes the the cow? Is it New New Glarus? Yeah, New oh, Glarus. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. No, you, and yeah some of the New stuff Glarus. doesn't come out of Wisconsin. Is that right? You can't get it anywhere else. No, you not all, not some all of it. All of it. Okay. So <laughs> they're one of the bigger breweries around. They make um they make less or they make more beer than we do, mm-hmm. and they're in one state. So people just like smuggle it out then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's by it yeah. There, yeah. yeah, for sure. Like trade for it. I mean, mm-hmm. New Glar- some of the New Glarus beers were the first beers that I ever traded for. Is it all? Is, it? is that oh, marketing or what? Huh? Is that all marketing? What's the, what's the deal with that? Uh, I don't know. Good question. I, I think they just make insane beers. I mean, yeah. they make some of the best fruit beers in the world. It's also yeah. kind of a unique category. It's not a lot of like people making fruit beers. Mm. Um, so they have huh. access to a lot of beautiful fruit, and they make Wisconsin Belgian Red. That's mm. Totally bonkers and serendipity and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, they're the style of beers they make are really cool. But then they make some more pedestrian stuff that's really like in every bar in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. like the, yeah. the cow. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. That's, oh, that's so pedestrian. Good. Hmm. 
Well, no, just like more, you know, <laughs> like everybody's drinking it. Like you're not, right. you know, we're not cracking seven. They, their beers are in 750s, like wax dip bottles yeah. too of the of the special stuff. It's like, you know, that's not, you're not going to see people drinking like 10 of those right. a night at a bar. <laughs> Maybe in Wisconsin. <laughs> right. Speaking of drinking a lot, I have a very important question for you. Okay. How many beers must a person drink to see the elusive green flash? Well, I guess it depends on your tolerance of alcohol. Um, but I've never been able to do it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't believe in it. You don't believe in it. Great. Great. Yeah, we. Uh, I have had people say that before, that they don't believe in it. And I'm like, well, it's a scientifically proven <laughs> yeah. fact. I don't yeah. know how much more I can do. Like, you could Google it and look at right. photos. And see. Stuff. I'm so trying. I, I'd Science. say uh, if you haven't eaten for the day, if you have maybe like five or six in an hour, you'll be, you'll be in you'll good be seen, shape. Yeah. Lots of flashes. At least you'll try that see, later. At least you'll see two suns. So that's a that positive. Can't that can't yeah. be bad. I love it. Well, I got to say that pairing was delicious. Awesome. I could just eat it together. Just oh, magic. Cool. Um, and it did take the cream off of the tongue. Right. The bubbles did. So you're ready for the next bite, which I makes am. it great. Yeah. So you exactly. can have, you know you, you can have more. another one. Yeah. Rather than it coating. Your yeah. palate, you have something that refreshes your palate. Exactly. And it's, really and it's really good. Special. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of people like we get, we'll hear this all the time. Oh, cheese, can't eat cheese, too much fat. Beer, can't drink beer, too many carbs. What yeah. do you think? Well, okay, great question because I, I also get that a lot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people compare it to other, like wine or spirits or sure. anything like that. And I would, um, so first of all, the calories are really similar in beer and wine, mm-hmm. in like glass an average glass. glass of beer, mm-hmm. average glass of wine, things like that. But I, I think the difference is the volume that people don't understand. It's like you're consu- when you go buy a beer at a bar, mm-hmm. most of the times it's in a 16-ounce pint, right? Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you go get a glass of wine, it's in a six-ounce pour. So, you know, it's a humongous difference. difference. You're talking about having yeah. three and a half glasses of wine to your one glass of beer, beer. right? So volume mm-hmm. or three glasses of wine, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. So I think, you know, to, to say like, well, I could have, you know, almost a bottle of wine to my <laughs> right. one beer. It's like, well, yeah, then you've drank. You could have one and a half beers and it's the same volume right. yeah. as yeah, yeah, yeah. having that. Oh, I like that answer. Yeah. Okay. So it's like from, and, you know, from an alcohol standpoint, too, it's a lot stronger. Um, you know, wine usually yeah. is as well. So you usually need less of it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I would say that if you're think about how much you drink, if you normally go out and have two glasses of wine, mm-hmm. then that would be less than one beer. That's, you know, just crazy. so you could yeah. have three quarters mm-hmm. of a beer and, right. and be the feel same. the same, same fullness, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And also what I'd recommend to those people which I try to recommend to most people is have a variety of different styles and just have less of them. You know, like you can have a few different tasters or a few half pints if that's really an issue for you that you feel full. Cause I mean, Mm -hmm. for me that I run into that sometimes where sometimes I want to go and have two or three pints. And sometimes I want to go and just try a couple tasters of some high gravity stuff. That's, you know, really uh, more, more flavors going on, more aggressive, but you don't want to have, you know, a pint of 12% exactly. that's, barley wine or something. That's, that's just, just too much. Yeah, it's yeah, too much. Exactly. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Just, you know, mm-hmm. dial it back. Don't, mm-hmm. uh, d- you know, one glass of wine is not equal to one glass of beer, beer. Yeah. from a volume standpoint. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you're concerned about, then have less. Yeah, exactly. And you, yeah. <laughs> and you can enjoy it all the same. Right, you can. When the flavor's so good, you'd need less. Yeah, I think I, that in the cheese, too. Right. You, know? you don't need a ton and you're, you're satisfied. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's very, um, you know, it's sort of like... If you like spirits and you like wine, mm-hmm. then you definitely like beer. Yeah. I mean, I find it like a lot of people say, oh, I'm not a beer person. Exactly. I don't like beer. 
guaranteed we Try will it. find you a flavor that you like. There's <laughs> yeah. so it's so hard. I mean, that's like so true. Uh, Same with yeah. cheese. Same with cheese. Yeah, there is something out there you will love for sure. Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. there's. Yeah, I don't there's like goat cheese. I bet you do. <laughs> right? <laughs> bet you yeah. yeah. Right. For yeah. sure. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when you get into you know on the beer side is you know the barrel aging and oh. the sour beers yeah, and the fruited totally. beers yeah. and there's yeah. so many flavors and characteristics going on. You, it's it. I would be very hard pressed to find somebody that I couldn't find a beer. Yeah. That they didn't at least feel slightly into. Yeah. And this is the beauty of the tasting rooms, right? Totally. You can go, you're there, that's what you're there for, to try the different styles, just a little bit of them if you want, and, and find what you love. Totally. Yeah. And that's we pride ourselves on that mm-hmm. more than probably anything, is making that yeah. customer connection yeah. at our tasting rooms um, and being able to bring people into the fold. Because to us, the mm-hmm. beer industry is an inclusive industry. If yep. you come in and say, I love Corona mm-hmm. and Coors Light, it's like, we're like, great, we have this, this awesome yeah. C2C lager that you're going to really enjoy and yeah. explain the differences. Or like at Cellar 3, it's an education uh, every single day because we get plenty of people that come in and have no idea about barrel aging beers and Mm -hmm. what the different yeasts and bacteria is due to the beer. And Mm -hmm. so it's great to be able to start from scratch with all these people like, oh, I don't know. I just drink IPAs. Like, well, cool. Check this out. We got this whole new thing and here's how we make it. And here are the characteristics that manifest themselves out of that process. And it's real fun. That's awesome. Yeah. It seemed uh, IPAs were the, ruling the San Diego beer scene for the longest time. Like still all are. kind of stuff and still are. Oh yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll notice that going to it. It's always IPA, IPA, IPA. <laughs> what what's the next big thing? Great question. I mean, if I knew then uh, <laughs> yeah, like, what, and what stock should I buy tomorrow? <laughs> um, it's it's hard to it's hard to say what the next new thing is. Yeah. I um I, I well I could say that Eric our brewmaster has the theory that the uh, what the brewers are drinking and what the you know, the kind of the back of the house guys are drinking mm-hmm. now usually translate into what the consumers or the yeah. normal what public is drinking in a, in a couple of years mm-hmm. or a few years down the road. So um, we'll see if that yeah. ends what, up What happening. are they drinking? Yeah, I, I think that it's it's yeah. definitely leaning towards uh, – right now I think we're starting to see uh, porters and ambers and uh, things like that. Mm, Make, like maybe yeah. a little bit of old world style like stuff. brown ales, will they ever come back? Brown ale, yeah. See, I don't know, and I question whether they're that <laughs> those styles are ever going to make like a yeah. insane comeback or mm-hmm. not. Um, I'd say probably not, but mm. who knows? I'm not in the prediction business, so uh, I just know that right now IPAs are dominating yeah. the market, and we'll just keep trying to make great the IPAs, yeah, um, along with all the other portfolio. I think something for us is that we try to be everything to everyone as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an example of that we just launched cans in 19.2 ounce formats of GFB, which is our Blondale, mm. which is kind of an everything to everyone type of beer in our opinion, uh, which is, you know, what we try to be. Again, we have Cellar 3 on the very top yeah. end with the crazy barrel-aged Wild stuff. Wild flavor. Yeah, we have yeah. the, you know, passion fruit kicker, C2C lager, all of our slew of double IPAs and American yeah. IPAs that are delicious. And then on um, kind of the more all-inclusive end, we have GFB, which is a very great price point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're four bucks for two of them That's at Seven awesome. Eleven yeah. right now. Right, right. Smoking deal wow. and, and delicious and delicious, right? Yeah. So it's like those are the people when you're thinking about mm-hmm. buying beer for a party, and you know yeah. you want to be the you want to get the craft beer and get yeah. the cool stuff. 
you bring that, it's a great tasting beer at an affordable price point. Yes. So we try to hit all on all cylinders, on cylinders. as far as far as we can. Can we say fromage daffinois or euphoria? Yes, Same exactly. thing. You, you, yep. There's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Price point, flavor point. Yeah, totally. you name it, you name it. Um, we're, we're got time is run out, but oh, another okay. big question: Do all is it mandatory that all craft beer makers and drinkers have beards? I knew where this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As soon as you said, "Is it mandatory?" I had a feeling that was coming up. Uh, that, I get asked that question probably more than any other question, and the answer is yes. Yes. Okay. Well, then there you have it, everybody. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was asked to ask that, and so here we go. Right on. Sorry, Gina. Uh, sorry, no I, I'm not sure. I'm getting older. I'm kind of seeing some sprouts. Maybe I can grow it. Maybe I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, the women we just have wear beard wigs. This is perfect when and, we come uh, in. Then we're safe. Have that ready yeah. for me. With the sharpie. <laughs> but if everybody wants to learn more, definitely um, you can go to the Green Flash uh, website, and yep. it's Eventbrite. There's a, uh, a place on there for events, and you can sign up for this tasting, which is going to be delicious and fun with these two, um, on August 7th. Yeah. But jump on there now and um, do that. I think it's super fun. Dave, thanks for coming in and talking beer. We're going to stay and um, kind of taste a little bit more. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. See you next week, noon on Tuesday. Ciao. Hi, fellow cheese lovers. Cheese Whiz Gina here, and I invite you to subscribe to our Noon on Tuesday podcast to hear all about cheese all the time. You can listen on iTunes or SoundCloud or subscribe via FeedBurner under Noon on Tuesday. You can also watch us live every week on Facebook at Benissimo Cheese at, you guessed it, noon every Tuesday Pacific time. We're fun, we're cheesy, so tune in and tell your friends to tune in too. Ciao. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste, and culinary application on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app today 